On this episode, Chris and I are chatting with Sam Hill, the founder of Ecom CFO. This is a really cool topic because this is not something we talk about a lot, but making sure just like you, you have consulting on financial issues. There's so many things that you can do or, or restructure that can make you money, save you money. It is a great conversation. Yeah. yeah this topic finance and all that accounting is probably the least popular topic of all sellers. Like no one wants to do this. Everybody just wants to launch products, rank them, yep. rinse and repeat. No one really cares about their books, but then at some <laughs> point, at some point you're going to have to, you know, pay attention to this. We always talk about just like ignorance and not to look at it. Yeah. But at some point you're going to have to pay attention to this because uh, you're going to scale up and, and somebody's going to be interested in buying your business and you're going to want to make sure your books are all good. Yep. And you can just like everything else, outsource this work, yep. get, get somebody else's eyes looking over your uh, finances to see if there's any ways that you could be operating better. And it, this was really fun. I mean, Sam brought up a lot of just mistakes that he sees a lot, really easy ways people can make uh, just big impacts on their business. And we talked about a bunch yeah. of other things like, what do you do with like all the logistics nightmares that are going on right now? I mean, how do you I mean, there's there's ways people can look at these numbers and, and make things work out. It was a great conversation. So before we start this, let's talk about Seller Meetup. Uh, Sam's yeah. in Austin, and we're headed to Austin here in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's, let's chat about Seller Meetup. What, what are we doing there? Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be a ton of fun. It's in Austin, and you go to sellermeetup.com, and you can register for the event. But Chris and I, you, are, you and I are going to be uh, speaking and taking questions also. Uh, in terms of Amazon PPC. Uh, but this is all about just prepping for Q4. It's the yeah. Q4 Marketing Mastery Texas Meetup. So we'd love to see you guys down there uh, in Austin. We'll be speaking. It'd be fun to meet people, meet you guys, um, and talk Amazon. There's going to be, this is a quite a lineup they have coming for this. It's big be, crew, a lot yes. of rather good speakers, VIP events. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I think it's gonna be a good time. It it will. So go to sellermeetup.com and uh, sign up and register for the event. And now let's dive into the interview with Sam. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 151 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. And today, this is going to be a really great conversation. Chris and I are excited. Uh, we've been talking uh, a little bit before we went live. This is an area uh, that a lot of e-commerce people really struggle with. We are entrepreneurs at heart and really digging in uh, to our financials is a struggle. So we have the perfect solution with our guest here today, Sam Hill, uh, the founder of Ecom CFO. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I uh, I, I hope to clip that video, the perfect solution. That's <laughs> and uh, we'll use that yeah. as a video testimonial. <laughs> yeah, you can have it. Yeah, it is uh, for sure. That's all. That's all yours. Clip that out later. But uh, it is. I mean, I think that this is going to be a really good conversation because. Um, I'm speaking for myself. I was telling you, I mean, I've got, I've got a finance degree and that's my, it's, it's the area that I struggle with the most. Uh, and I know that there's areas where we're leaving money on the table. Uh, we're so focused on all the different hats we have to wear, like, 
launching products and running ads like we do with Solozo and managing them. There's a million things we got to manage, inventory, all this stuff that um, I won't call it the boring stuff. Uh, that's probably a bad way to say it. But digging into financials is is the the less sexy part of the business, I would say. Uh, so it's a yeah. struggle for us. But yeah, I think uh, so. Um, but it's it's like everything else. Uh, your you know your operations aren't perfect. You put in time, or you yep. you outsource it, or you create processes around it. You do the same thing for marketing and advertising and customer service, and you put a lot of time into how your products are packaged. The efforts that go into it, so you can drive people to your site or your own email list or whatever, and. Finance and accounting is no different. You got to put in the time. You need to create the process. How do you, you know, review your numbers? How do you create projections? Who handles the books? How are they managed? All that stuff. And it's just like everything else. You're going to get in exactly what you, you're going to get out exactly what you put in. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's not that it's incredibly difficult. Uh, it just takes time and diligence. It's a good way of putting it. You do, you get in what you, you get out what you put into it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about these. I know you got a bunch of hot topics we want to talk about as well. But before we do all that, if anybody doesn't know you, doesn't know Ecom CFO, tell us, you got the floor for a few minutes. Tell us like your background, how you got into this space and how you decided to focus on Ecom specifically and what you do with yeah. Ecom CFO. Let us, I'd love to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been in client service my uh, entire life. Uh, I started at a, a startup like 10 years ago and um, progressed through being an auditor and all of the really fun, boring accounting stuff and went to business school and did what every uh, MBA does and goes and gets a big consulting job. And I thought I was, you know, God's gift <laughs> to consulting. <laughs> and I realized very quickly that I hated it and I was only going to be happy if I created something for myself. And so uh, left consulting and was really just a freelancer. And I was doing anything for everyone, uh, finance and accounting related. And um, I looked up after a year and I said, okay, well, you know, I've done work for venture capital firms and private equity. And I had a professional poker player as a client and it was all really interesting, but it doesn't cool. scale. And I looked at you know the 50 companies that I had worked for and said, oh, okay, well, e-commerce makes a lot of sense. Like, I always got along really well with uh, my clients and they were very open to remote work. This is way before COVID, obviously. And I just thought that finance could add a lot of value because no one was looking at profitability or projections or uh, creating processes around it. Um, and and don't get me wrong, there's a ton of great solutions out there, uh, but I do think we do things a little bit differently. Uh, and I like to think that we're a step above the competition. And so, yeah, Ecom CFOs about two years old. We do outsource CFO, bookkeeping, and uh, my new favorite business is bill payment, uh, which is also a, a huge pain point. Would love to talk about that more. Uh, but yeah, and we specialize in e-commerce, obviously. Uh, we have a lot of Shopify only sellers. We have a lot of Amazon only sellers. We have folks that do their own manufacturing, uh, FBA folks, drop shippers, uh, subscription businesses, you name it. We've pretty much touched it. <laughs> 
So Sam, I'm real quick. I'm I'm checking out your site here. A little bit of bio that says you like to follow a Bob Ross tutorial uh, <laughs> on on your back porch. Uh, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. man, it's I've watched. I've consumed so much Bob Ross content. <laughs> uh, and I eventually said like, okay, well, I actually need to do one of these. And, uh, so yeah, sat on the back porch one evening, um, and, and did what actually gave that to my mom for Christmas. Cause she nice. really liked it. <laughs> and, uh, it's actually, I don't know. I mean, I think you guys are both married. I, I see your wedding ring. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still yeah. single, uh, but well, regardless if you're single or married, it's a great date idea, a great date idea. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. I had to bring that up. I saw I was like, what is this Bob Ross tutorial? I got to hear about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, my my ex-girlfriend got me a, like, a, on on Etsy, like a knitted Bob Ross paint. Or a, <laughs> I don't even know what it's called, uh, but it's like a little, she framed it, and it's like Bob Ross, and on the canvas, it just says Sam. It's, I don't know, what an aside, but. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. It's just unique stuff like that. I got to see. Yeah. I love it. Keep nice and relaxing. Oh, yeah. Bob Ross. Super relaxing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to have something to, you know, wind down. I'm not like. Clear the a, mind out a little bit. Yeah. I'm not like a, you know, have a cocktail or a beer every night kind of guy. But uh, a nice, you know, Bob Ross video or, or a, a easy ASMR video. It, totally does the trick <laughs> easy to please so you guys didn't know what kind of podcast this is going to be today that's but, why we love this why we love, where why we love doing it. <laughs> but um yeah so where you want to go from here you want to go into our hot topics sure but well, before you yeah yeah well let's let's talk about because there's all types of probably e-com uh, business operators that are watching this will see this what, from just starting or even pre-starting, like trying to figure out what they're going to sell uh, to people that are doing millions a month in revenue online. At what point in, does it start making sense for somebody to really start taking it seriously to like to to outsource this, to bring this, bring on a sort of a financial advisor uh, into their business? At what, when is that a good time to do? that sure yeah i mean um i think it's a little bit more nuanced than that i think that when you're when you know obviously when you're just starting and you're doing everything and the business is you know you're, you're doing a thousand dollars a month in sales or, or ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars a month in sales uh does it make sense to have an outsourced cfo uh, does it make sense to have someone paying your bills and doing your books? All of it? No. Like the business just can't can't support that. Uh, should you just go ahead and have someone do your do your books? And can you find that resource on Upwork or using something like Bench? Uh, yeah, that's totally a good option. Um, and then once you get in the you know fifty k a month range. Uh, you definitely want to have someone doing your books, obviously. But on the CFO side, uh, I, I think you can go a couple different routes. You can either have someone uh, like us that are looking at your books every single month or in your projections and, and whatever strategically is going on in your business. If it's this whole you know container disaster uh, from China and what you're going to do about it or um, a lot of the questions that we get is, 
you know, when, when's the right time to hire a person to, to manage logistics or returns or customer service or, or whatever, and how much can I afford? And should I hire them as a contractor? Should I start them off as part-time? What if I hire them as full-time and, and W2 them? What am I going to owe in payroll taxes? How do I pay them? Am I paying them through Gusto or ADP or um, through TransferWise or PayPal or, you know, pick your, pick your payment, payment platform. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there are, you know, financial coaches out there. There's, you know, people that can just do hourly projects on Upwork to, uh, as just bouncing off ideas or whatever. Um, and then I think there's that kind of next level where you're, you know, a million dollar seller. And then I think, that that number for whatever reason is a real turning point and to say okay we have a serious business now this business can you know support me full time and you know for my lifestyle and so now i have to make the decision am i really going for it am i really trying to grow this business uh, or am i kind of happy where it is and i'm just going to kind of manage it let it run its course and I'm, but I'm interested in doing, you know, five other things. And I think if the answer is, I want to really want to take this seriously and grow it, then that makes the most sense to reach out to someone like us to say, okay, now I need a dedicated finance person walking through all of these issues month to month, or sometimes it's, it's week to week and um, understanding exactly how we're going to grow. If it's, you know, just the, just an Amazon strategy, if it's Shopify, if it's a retail strategy, um, how am I going to grow this business? Where do I need to allocate those dollars? And, you know, how am I managing margin? How am I managing demand and inventory purchases and, and all that kind of stuff? So it's it's the longest answer possible that I could give you, but <laughs> it's, it's about the million dollar uh, mark. But certainly, you know, if you're trying to go faster or if you have you know some investor capital or something it may make sense to do it a little bit sooner uh, but yeah at the end of the day it's it's right sizing a finance resource for the level of scale that you're that you're in yeah you bring up a lot of really interesting points um that I think business owners don't they don't think about a lot that is I mean just the way you pay someone are they a contract uh, on a, or, you know, a contract or are they an employee or which makes more sense? Um, just stuff like that. You, there can be a lot of potential money saved or money lost and just decisions like that, um, that need. Yeah, and, uh, so no, sorry to cut you off, I, I, right. but, um, one of our clients, uh, they, it's, it's a, they're a great business, but, uh, you know, they have multiple, businesses. And one of them is uh, an Amazon business. And they've been asking me a lot, like, okay, when does it make sense to hire someone? What, what can I afford and, and everything? Well, it turns out, you know, they stocked out of uh, probably half a dozen of their products. And they stocked out, not because of, you know, their supplier didn't have any inventory or whatever, but it's just simply they got a little lazy. And they kind of forgot to reorder inventory and it cost them probably all in all, I would say 10 to $25,000 of bottom line profit. 
And uh, this is when, you know, I'm like, you can't afford not to hire someone because mm -hmm. you already paid for half of their salary uh, just fixing this one, this one mistake. So I, I do get some hesitancy, I think, from um, our, our clients to $2 million mark of that kind of scarcity mentality of, okay, well, do I really need, am I really going to take the leap? in hiring someone because there's so much that goes into that. You got to manage that person if, if they're full time or even if I mean, you got to manage them if they're a contractor anyway. Um, but, you know, creating all that extra system and systems and processes. So it's a lot, but you have to make that decision. OK, what am I going to what am I going to be? Uh, and yeah, and it's either like the kind of scarcity mentality of, oh, I can't spend the money or no, I'm going to continue to invest in my business for for our future so yeah it's it's a big topic <laughs> yeah yeah i can see another issue i mean this is something that i'm guilty of a lot is i'm so much more like emotionally attached to my business and my products and things that i make probably poor decisions sometimes because of that and having an outsider take a look at everything through a, through a different lens can make, you know, much better decisions. Like, is this product actually profitable enough for us to keep reinvesting our cash into it? Or should we pivot and do something that's going to do a uh, two, 2x return over that product? Would that be a better idea? And so a lot of times when, you know, if you've invented something or if you've done whatever, you get this real attachment to it. And sometimes you make poor financial decisions. I'm sure you see this quite a bit. That's probably where you're consulting. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I, I'm not immune to it either. I do it in my own business that you view mm -hmm. something as, as your, as your baby and it's sunk cost fallacy. And are you going to cut it off now <laughs> or are you going to continue to push forward or yeah, it's, it, it's real. We're not, we're not, we're not all robots and we can't always view things as, objective as we should uh but yeah we we definitely <laughs> no doubt and, it, and it's tough like because we get doesn't say we get emotional to these products and we think okay we're just going to keep scaling these keep scaling these until they turn to a profit and that may never happen and when yeah. somebody comes into the business and says why you keep buying inventory for this product you're losing that's that's like a good slap in the face sometimes like <laughs> okay i'm i'm missing something i need to get rid of it let's Let's pivot and go to a different product. And I don't think enough of us have that in our corner. We're just so solopreneurs, I guess is the right word, where yeah. we just keep going, going, going. But sometimes we need to book a call or attend a webinar or whatever just to kind of get that aha moment and move on with a, with a different product. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, a ton of it is just accountability. Like when you have to put your financials publicly to someone, uh, then it, it's totally different situation and you have to justify the decisions that you made to say like okay was i just lazy or you know why did i make this decision uh what was my thought process behind launching this product or keeping this product in stock or and, and all those things that you mentioned mm -hmm. and a lot of it is not rational <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but once you have to put it put it out there publicly and, and explain it to someone else um, yes. And especially if you're a solopreneur, you don't have anyone else, a, a co-founder or anything like that, then yeah, it's, it's a real challenge.
it gets real real quick. Yeah. <laughs> when, somebody, yeah. when somebody looks at your books and they come back and say you're losing money, it's like, damn, okay, I guess I need mm-hmm. a pivot or something <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I think yeah, especially and- now also with all these uh aggregators that are buying up e-commerce mm-hmm. businesses, if your goal is to exit your business, then you're gonna have to put this in front of somebody at some point. Uh, you might as well make sure you've got your best foot forward where you've taken you're, you're presenting something that's really a very good business because you've been you've had consulting on which way to go in the meantime so you you could be leaving a lot of money on the table at a at your sale uh if you don't have everything cleaned up and tight before you go that route yeah absolutely and and i think uh some people you know we we have some clients that are you know doing probably three to five million in sales and haven't or you know, there are newer clients um, and they haven't really taken a deep dive on their books. And they're so concerned about marketing and launching new products and everything uh, that their cash flow position is a serious problem. And, you know, they're employing five, 10 people. Uh, and eventually, uh, <laughs> eventually, you're going to get to the point where there's no money in the bank to run payroll. It's going to catch up and to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think what's even worse is I see these situations sometimes where we're just looking at the bank account and then we're saying, oh, well, well, Shopify is offering me half a million dollars uh, from Shopify Capital or some of these other like revenue based financing options. And and they have their place. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's not the cheapest capital for sure. Um, but like there's a, a right time that you can accept those offers, but um, it's just so easy to accept it. They say, like, oh, OK, we'll just take another half million dollars at, you know, 20 percent remittance. And uh, and then that gets you through for three or four months. And then the vicious cycle continues and without doing the hard work of actually going back. And, me. Yeah. Uh- you are preaching to the choir. We've talked about this numerous times on our show. Um, we've been burned big time by that type of lending. Um, just because the way, especially with e-commerce, with the, where you're laying out a lot of capital up front, and then um, it doesn't all come back fast enough to make sometimes make those large payments that uh, you have to make. Uh, we've been so we fully get it. We. That's you're preaching to the choir on this. <laughs> Rob Peter to pay Paul. Like just keep yeah. just going in the big yeah. circle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you're if you're continuously running a deficit on your business already, like it it's it's going to come to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you better figure it out. <laughs> and and what is your plan um, to mitigate it? And I think sometimes too, going back to this whole kind of ego thing. Um, the idea of not growing as fast as you want to grow really challenges people because oh, they yeah. have the, this idea in their head that, oh, okay, well, we were at, you know, half a million dollars last year. You know, we're on pace to do $2 million this year. And then in their head, the projection is, oh, well, in the following year, we're going to do 5 million. Well, that may be true. Uh, that may be possible. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have a cash flow strategy and you're going to need a ton of capital to do that. Um, and then 
if someone comes along and says, actually, you can't grow that fast, or actually, you know, your business is losing money, what, what are you going to do about it? The idea of scrapping a product or not doing that product launch or cutting spend in somewhere um, is, is real challenging to some people's egos. It, it, uh, it's, it's a real, it's a real issue. Um, but again, it's, it, it's not about you as a person. It's what does, what can the business support objectively and what would a, a third party come in and do as a you know, more rational actor? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's so hard sometimes to look at our businesses that objectively. Well, we talk about this all the time. I mean, if, if you're running this business, there's so many things that you've got to be doing. Uh, and outsourcing to professionals is a really smart decision a lot of times for all that stuff, whether it's you're, the way your pictures look or the way your website's designed or the way you're generating traffic or running your advertising or anything. And finances uh, decisions should be the same thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge part of your business. So. Um, all right, I know you got some, we want to get into these uh, hot topics because there's a lot of things uh, going on right now. Let's, you've got, you got three things that you think are uh, hot right now. So let's, let's dive into those. I do. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you guys pick what you want to cover first. So I got contribution margin and if I can explain what that is, <laughs> two is the container costs and logistics stuff. And number three is cash. Let's just go right down the list. Let's start with contribution margin. Okay, so so contribution margin, um, and first I'll just explain what this is. Yes. So I think there's, you know, people look at their their books or they read articles or you know listen to podcasts or whatever, and they hear you know net sales, net revenue, gross margin, gross margin percentage. They may or may not have heard of contribution margin. And then, you know, net income or net profit or EBITDA, like all these, all these terms, uh, I think it's really important to actually know what the definition is and know what it means for your business. And um, again, there's not a lot of, or there's not a ton of kind of set rules, but um, I would consider gross margin, your, you know, gross revenue minus discounts, returns, product costs and freight, freight in, meaning freight from China or Latin America to your Amazon warehouse or third-party fulfillment center or, or whatever. So that's margin. You got all these very costs. You got shipping, you got advertising, and you know advertising is kind of split between the ads themselves and retainers that you're paying uh, your agency. You've got your you know, pick and pack costs, and you may have some other some other variable costs. So once you subtract all of those, that's what I consider contribution margin and, and contribution margin percentage. And then you subtract out all your fixed costs, your rent, your fixed salaries, your own salary as an owner, um, all that other stuff. And I think the pitfall that I see is Number one, are we calculating contribution margin um, at the business level? And then two, are we calculating contribution margin at the SKU level 
or at least at the product family or product type or um, at the business line level. For example, if you have a subscription business, you should know what the subscription business is making and the non-subscription business is making. Because I mean, most sub subscription businesses offer a one-time purchase, you know, especially if they're like selling on Amazon too. You should know what each one of those business lines uh, is doing and be able to make reasonable assumptions to parse out, particularly the ad spend, because that's the hardest to attribute. Um, but you should be making a reasonable assumption and, and knowing, you know, within reason if those businesses are, are profitable or not. So that is like the biggest pitfall that I see is, you know, you, you've outsourced your bookkeeping, someone's sending you your P&L and you look at it and hopefully it's on a cruel basis. Uh, but most of the time it's not because cash is just the easiest thing to do. Um, and accrual is, is more difficult. Um, so hopefully your books are accrual basis, but you should be looking at uh, not just gross margin, but also I think more importantly, contribution margin. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm not, I can tell you right now, I'm not looking at that uh, enough as I as I should be. Um, so like where, at what point does that start? Like, what are, what are you looking at when you're looking at that contribution margin? Is there like a number that you have, you're trying to hit? Like if it gets below a certain percentage, is that an issue? Uh, yeah. Where, I mean, where is that line and what does it matter? Like what type of product you're selling, et cetera? What, of course. Yeah. No, no, it definitely all, it all matters yeah. is, is the answer. I mean, the, the first step is understanding what your break-even revenue is and making sure that you are actually profitable. And if you're not, what does my contribution margin have to be in order to get to profitability? So the calculation is very simple. Break-even revenue is you take your fixed costs, so all your salaries, rent, and everything, and you divide it by your contribution margin. And that is how much gross revenue you need to break even, period. Um, okay. So that's the first step. So so we need to define if, if, if you're not, if you think you're losing money <laughs> or if your accountant is telling you you're losing money, then you need to know what the, what the goalpost is. And obviously there's uh, multiple parts to that equation. You can reduce fixed costs uh, is part of it, or you can increase contribution margin, raise prices, figure out what's going on with your ads. How do you make them uh, more efficient or more profitable? Negotiating with your suppliers to get, um, you know, better terms or uh, cheaper product costs or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that is the formula very simply. So I think that's, that's step one. Um, and it doesn't make sense to have any other conversation until you, you've determined what that point is. Yeah. And it's really the, difficult. I think just to touch on one thing, cause like advertising, yeah. um, it's like, if you advertise just on Amazon, I mean, it's like inside Saloza, we can break out your advertising spend at the SKU level, like where, where it's going. But if you're advertising on Facebook and Google and everywhere else and driving traffic, it's really hard to figure out how much ad spend is allocated to each SKU. Um, and that would directly affect that contribution margin. 
Um, if yeah, you, absolutely. If you're not that wrong. So absolutely. Yeah. And 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 again, you need to start with the business as a whole first, and make sure that you know what what that is, because it is obviously you can go pull all the reports from all those ad platforms, look at what you spent, and like let's put aside what they attribute for a second, and just right. you know how much you spent. Um, and so you can, you can do the calculation, um, and at least get a, a ballpark and then like, but I think the, the, the problem is just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, oh, well, we don't know how to do attribution and it's really hard. So therefore we shouldn't do it. Right. Like the, the universe doesn't care. <laughs> right. Like the universe is going to reward you for results and you going to figure this stuff out and doing hard doing the difficult thing or the hard thing um and and it's going to become a problem either at this level of scale or the next level of scale um and and as a business owner um you know if you hire an, an agency or someone to do your advertising great um but you should also have an understanding of how they're calculating attribution or how they're allocating it at the, uh, or how they're setting up the, the campaigns at the product level or at the you know brand level or at the subscription level or, or whatever. So um, again, ignorance is not an excuse yeah. and, and it's going to come up one way or another. Well, all right, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about uh, the transportation, the logistics that's going on right now. That's a big uh, deal. That's huge. This is huge, and um, you know, there's uh, obviously a huge financial impact. If you've got three hundred thousand dollars of your capital sitting outside of Los Angeles for two months, um, just waiting to get into the port, that's a hard that's a problem. And if you're paying, you know, ten x what you used to pay for a container. Um, there's a lot of things you got to do with your, uh, whether it's your product pricing or whatever to make up for this. So, uh, so talk about the issues you're seeing right now, uh, with freight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, I, I don't have a magic solution for, um, processing the shipping container any faster in LA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish, mm -hmm. I, I wish I did. It'd be great. I'd create a whole nother business around it. Um, <laughs> But the, the key is, is, again, how does that impact your business and what are you going to do about it? And I don't think the answer is, oh, well, we just have to accept it that it's that it's more and I'll figure it out later. That's not that's not an answer. Well, that is an answer, <laughs> but I don't think it's the right answer. And I think this gets back to. Number one, if, if your books are accrual or cash, if it's cash, you're going to recognize that entire $15,000 shipment in the month you paid for it. And um, it's going to make your numbers look real rough uh, for that month. What you really should be doing is using more of like a standard cost methodology to say, okay, for every widget that I sell, a portion of that freight cost is being allocated to that widget. And so what is my standard cost whenever I sell a widget? How much of how much cost do I recognize? And guess what? It's more. It's more now that you're paying $15,000 for a, a mm -hmm. container when you were paying, you know, 2500 bucks 
months ago. So uh, that obviously impacts your gross margin and contribution margin. To what extent? Don't know. Um, if you're a larger seller, the impact's going to be less. Uh, if you're a smaller seller, the impact's going to be more. But it could tilt the the scales in a way in which you decide not to carry that product. Um, now, like once it stocks out, assuming um, that shipping prices and the, the container prices are going to remain constant, at least for the, the foreseeable future. I mean, and then obviously, you know, looking at, well, can I get it manufactured in Latin America or, you know, what are my, what are my other mitigating uh, solutions? So, but the thing that you can control are your margins and contribution margin with the environment that we're in today. And you need to do the work to make that calculation to determine, okay, am I going to raise prices? Um, am I going to discontinue this product? You know, what am I, what am I going to do about it? And again, ignorance is not, or just throwing your hands up is not, <laughs> not a solution. <laughs> oh, it's so easy though. Just to, no, just kidding. It's uh, so just easy. It is easy so easy. It's easy for the it. short term. Yeah. It's so easy. But there's, we, this is something that uh, Chris and I have talked a lot about in this show is uh, we are so hesitant, especially on Amazon. If you're like uh, on Shopify and other platforms, uh, adjusting your price is a little easier, but on Amazon, you're so worried about if you raise your price, having your sales velocity uh, slow down, that there's a lot of hesitation uh, to do that. But in a lot of cases, it's, it's really dumb not to raise your price or especially like if you're going out of stock or something like that, you can maximize your uh, profit that you're that you're getting by doing things like stop advertising and raise price. That way you're getting more money for the units you're selling if you're not going to be going back in stock. So I think we we have a hard time doing things like that. And again, this is where an outside perspective can make a big difference. Yeah. 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 And help helping you work through some of these issues. And look, mm -hmm. these aren't uh, simple issues to solve. And there's a ton of variables and there's typically not really a right answer. Mm -hmm. There's some there's a lot of less wrong answers. <laughs> uh, and there, there are some there are some definitive wrong answers. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's that's business, though. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about really know if yeah. Uh, yeah let's talk about cash um i'm gonna take a stab in the dark and you tell me uh where i'm wrong here uh it's probably bad to have too much cash on hand because you're not using it to create more cash potentially and it's bad to have too little cash uh so managing it is important where i my close uh, yeah, you're really close, really close. And no, I mean, the common questions that we get all the time is how, you know, how much cash should I keep on hand? And I think the, the simple answer is, um, you know, what's going to help you sleep at night? Some people are, are more comfortable with less cash. Some people, um, uh, when, as soon as their bank account reaches, you know, less than a certain number, then they start freaking out. And so there, there's no hard and fast rule. Uh, it's, it's a, a, again, a lot, it's a lot of psychology. I like to think that if, um, if I was a, you know, seven figure seller, 
I would want to have at least three to six months of burn available. So three to six months of if my Amazon account gets shut down tomorrow and I have these uh, ongoing fixed costs of I'm paying people, I got a, you know, an office or uh, a warehouse to have to pay rent in. Can I make those payments for three to six months? Uh, I, I think that's a, a decent general ballpark, but also like, you know, 2008 rolls around all the people that had a bunch of cash on hand made a lot of money. And, um, I had one client last year, actually, um, they, <laughs> they had three and a half million dollars sitting in the bank wow. and he was just saving it for a rainy day. <laughs> and, you know, they weren't able, they didn't, they didn't lay off a single person and they were able to, uh, double down on a lot of their, you know, product launches, um, and advertising and everything and captured a lot of market share that they wouldn't otherwise, uh, have captured. And so, um, I do think having a little bit more cash set aside makes a lot of sense because guess what? Your projections are probably going to be wrong. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And stuff always takes three and four times longer than you think it's going to take. And you're always going to need a little bit more than you planned on. And having that extra cash on hand um, as a backup is a really nice idea. And it allows you to do cool stuff. You can um, negotiate with your suppliers and maybe uh, overorder a little bit and get better terms, uh, you know, obviously depending on what kind of uh, products you sell. Um, you can consider, you know, I've got a, a client who's a, a drop shipper. He, he's got a very healthy cash balance and he's considering um, buying one of his suppliers or instead of drop shipping, taking the, you know, 10% of SKUs that sell through the best, just going to purchase the product and managing it uh, himself. So it allows him to to do all of these really interesting things because he has that that leverage. And what are you advising to build these cash reserves? I mean, is there like a percentage of the your your profit that comes in that you're setting aside? And I mean, is there is there a sweet spot that you're you're trying to hit there to where a percentage of profit gets reinvested, a percentage of profit is into your cash on hand fund? Yeah, um, I really like, I mean, I'm not, this is by no means my original thought, but I really like scaling up's methodology here. And their basic principle is you want to get to a point where your net income percentage is around 15%. And then their argument is once you get to 15%, you invest the difference between 10 and 15% into your, into your business. So in additional advertising or hiring or, or, or whatever, once you, and then once you, uh, so you continue to invest until you get down to 10% net income margin. And then once you get to 10, you fight to get back to 15 and you repeat the cycle, repeat the cycle, and you're stashing away that 10% um, into, uh, your, your cash reserves. 
And like, if you want to take an extra distribution or whatever, if you did really well, okay, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really like their, their methodology there. And maybe that range is a little bit different for you, depending on the business type or whatever, but, but the concept I, I think is beautiful and it gives people, um, some pretty good anchor points to look at and say, okay, here's where I, here's where I really can start, um, to start understanding what is, what is reasonable. Cause the, the, the problem is, is like, you know, everyone says, oh, well, I have like my net, my net income margins are 30% or 35%. It's not always good because that just means that there's going to be more competition faster. And those margins are going to go away rather quickly. So you better, you better be reinvesting that cash into continuing to building your moat, whatever that, whatever that means for you. So it's, it's, it can be really dangerous. It's such a good point. I, Chris and I can attest to that too. <laughs> you can have really <laughs> high profit margin products and then competition comes in real quick. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And if yep. you're not ready for it, yeah, it's a great point. All this stuff is, is so good. We, there, there's so much I feel like to talk about on this. We'd, we've got to get you back on here at some point in the future. There's, I mean, we hit on three topics there, but we could hit on so many more. And I think it's really valuable for everyone listening um, for sure. Bill payment. Another yeah. hot topic. Oh, bill Say it real quick. I know you want to talk about bill payment. Bring it um, up. I'm so excited about bill payment, um, which is the <laughs> the least sexy thing about business. Mm -hmm. But it's such a huge pain for a lot of our clients. And um, I kind of had an aha moment a, a few months ago. We, we, we pay bills on behalf of our clients. We manage their bill payment uh, for the majority of our clients, but we've never really offered as a standalone service. Um, it was kind of like a, oh yeah, and we do this thing too. Until I started getting more inquiries, you know, both from Amazon sellers or uh, e-commerce businesses and agencies, because they're paying, you know, you, you hire um, foreign contractors in Pakistan or in India or the Philippines or Latin America, and you're paying them through 10 different platforms. They may or may not send an invoice and it, it sucks to deal with every month. Um, right. cause you've got to get the invoice and maybe you've created a separate email address, but it's probably buried in your email. You got to go through your entire inbox, figure out what's paint. Like, what do you owe different people? And then actually executing the payment. Do you have to pay them on PayPal? The fees are high. Are you just like paying them on transfer wise? Is it, do they have a pioneer account and all these different platforms? Um, and your bill payment process probably sucks. And mm -hmm. so what I realized is it's not really the managing the payments is um, pretty, pretty easy. The hard part that I think we have a really solid process now is getting our clients to change we change their process for them. We say, here's how we're going to operate from now on. All you have to do is go into the platform and click approve. And like, that's it. We got the rest. So that was the, the, the big aha uh, for us. And we're, you know, rolling it out as a, as a standalone service. So yes, very, I've never thought I'd be this excited about bill pay. Because going back to ego, I always thought that, you know, the, the high end finance stuff is it's cool. Like it's sexy to talk about the future of your business and how do you get to a hundred million in sales and, and all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's, 
a lot of the bill payment stuff that takes up valuable time. And if you're able to outsource that for whatever reason, like we outsource everything, but we still pay our own bills because mm -hmm. it's close to the bank account. We have this like crazy stigma attached to, oh, like only I can pay my bills. <laughs> like that makes no sense whatsoever. Like we rely on other people to manufacture our products, but we <laughs> have, we don't rely on other people to pay our bills. It just doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. So we're, we're trying to change that. I like that. That is a pain point. That is a huge, huge pain point. And just you, the going through the emails to try to find the invoices, that's, that's me. <laughs> All the time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's well, a real, it's a real thing. Well, thanks for doing this. And for, so before we go though, I want any, there's, there's people listening right now that they're intrigued by this, their businesses hitting that 1 million mark right now. And they need, maybe need to take this, this jump to, to have more, uh, more CFO type services. And there's a guy, there's going to be a lot of people that are really interested in this bill pay. Um, so how do people get in touch with you? How do, can they start working with you? Yeah. Just check us out on our website at ecomcfo.co or feel free to just shoot me an email, sam at ecomcfo.co. It's, it's pretty simple. We don't do a lot of social, there's no Twitter or anything. I personally don't have social media. Uh, I, after reading Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism, I, I, I ditched it a, a while ago. So uh, just good old good old fashioned email is, is a great start. Awesome. Well, I encourage everyone to do that. Uh, and we'll definitely have you back on. This is uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, it's fascinating to me. I learned a lot. Contribution margin. That was good. Uh, that was good. <laughs> definitely good to learn about good. that. Um, so thanks again for coming on. We'll, we really appreciate it. Everyone who's listening, if you like content like this, please make sure you subscribe uh, to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. We're on all of them. Also, if you'd like to see these live streams, make sure you go to uh, Solozo's Facebook page, LinkedIn page, and our YouTube channel. You can subscribe, turn on notifications. You'll see when we go live with awesome guests like Sam. Um, and we do it almost every day. So please do that. And also, if you're selling on Amazon right now and you're struggling with your advertising, if your ad spend is killing your contribution margin, then Solozo can help. We can we can help automate your advertising. Uh, we can help get you to uh, your target ACOS on your campaigns. We'd love to show you how to do that. Go to Solozo.com. You can book a demo with either Chris or myself. We'll walk you through the entire platform. We'd love to talk anything Amazon and strategize for your advertising. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks, Sam, for joining us. And we'll see you awesome. next time. See ya. Thank you so much for having me.